I want to welcome you to Dynamic Web Church. What an honor to minister the message of grace worldwide on this Sunday morning. God loves you, God cares for you, and God loves you so much that He's willing to show it. Amen. And I believe in today, today's broadcast of Web Church, you're going to experience this unconditional love of God. You know, if you know that God loves you, but you cannot experience it, I mean, what is it? It's nothing if you know that somebody loves you, but you cannot experience it. The Bible says that an open rebuke is better than secret love. So, um, it's better if I could take your sin and blot it out all over the world than say I love you, but I'm not willing to show it. And the reason why the Bible says that is because God is a God that shows His love. He's a God that broadcasts His love. He's a God that makes His love open everywhere to all people. So I want you to know that God's vision about you is Jesus. He looks at you without a consciousness of sin today and He cares for you. And the care of God is so great that it can produce so much peace in your heart. It can produce so much righteousness in your heart that you can just walk a life of dignity and worth in this world. Amen. Do you know how wonderful it is to know that God cares for you as an individual? I spoke to Alan Spiegel um, two days ago and you know he said to me a very interesting thing that is so, so powerful. So many times we think that through mass prayer, God's going to do something. That means if we can get a stadium full of people together crying out to God, then God's going to start to move. Now I want to tell you, and I've always believed that, and I agree with Alan, that that is not the truth. We don't need a million people coming together, calling on the name of God, before God's going to move. We don't need a prayer meeting worldwide before God's going to do something. That's not what we need. I've got three boys. <coughs> Aubrey, Henry, and Bertus. Now say the house uh, catches fire and they are stuck in the house. I bet you, and you better believe me, I'll do everything in my power to get those three boys out there. I'll use all my energy, I'll use all my force, everything I have to my ability, if it's money it takes, if it's effort it takes, if it means running through a fire, I'll do anything to get them out there uh, because I love them. My love motivates me. That's for the three of them. And guess what? If only one of them is caught in that fire, I will use exactly the same energy, power and resources, whatever I have, to get him out of that house. I'm not going to say, well, now, uh, this is only one boy that's in the house, you know, so I'm not going to really uh, use that much effort. It's only one and if it was three, I will really put in everything. So I'm only going to put in a third of my effort to get him out. No, I will put in everything for all of them or for one of them. My everything, because I love them, all of them. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That is how God is towards us. We don't need 20 people to pray in order for God to answer us. That type of mentality, I believe personally, was born out of a low self-worth and low self-esteem. It's because people think that they are worth nothing and then if we can get somebody else together with, with me or with them, then God will look at them and answer their prayer. Because they really believe that God will not answer their prayer because they don't think they're valuable to God. I've got good news for you. Even if the whole world doesn't pray and you're the only one that prays, God will hear your prayer and He will put in the same effort as what Jesus Himself would have prayed. Amen. I want to say that again. If you pray, God will answer that prayer with the same effort as what He would go through to answer the prayer of Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? If you can know that Jesus Christ even prayed on your behalf the correct prayer for the right answers, you can have everything in life. Man, you will have such a peace of mind. Arthur Mankey said it this way, and this is really powerful. He said, if you really know how much God loves you, you will never ask Him for anything ever again. Man, that is powerful. Now, I don't say we're not allowed to ask God for anything. Ask if you want to ask. But if you really know, and if I really know, how much God loves me. I will never ask Him for anything because I will know that He takes care of it before I think of it. Man, isn't that awesome? Now the Bible does say ask. It's so that God can give towards us. Now the word ask in the New Testament is not uh, in the way that, that it was in the old. Ask, beg of God and, and that type of thing. I believe that ask is more to inquire of. 
inquire of God. Now, if I ask God for something, I don't say, Oh God, please, would you do this? Especially not in the New Testament. If you look at um, the writings of Paul from, from Acts onwards, you will find, especially from Romans onwards, you never basically see people pleading with God, begging God. It's not the way it works. When you ask, it will be more of an inquiry. You, you inquire to see as if that was already met in the cross. And if the answer is yes, it is yours. As easy as that. Can you believe it? Amen. Man, that is the good news of Jesus. I'm so excited to have you with me in Web Church. Every week I look forward to this live broadcast because I know this touches people, this blesses people and brings a change in their life. Hallelujah. God loves you, man. Now, if you find that uh, the session breaks up or it gets stuck or something like that, just press F5. It will renew your screen and then you will be able to see it properly. If you only hear my voice, click on the optional link, or we've got a place there that says, if you struggle to see, click here. Just click there, it will open up in Windows Media Player, and then you'll be able to see us, see us there. And if you really struggle, you can get this in the archive on Wednesday. Now, I want to take note, we have moved it from Tuesday to Wednesday, because it's really a lot of work to get it onto the website, so it's been moved to Wednesday. On Wednesdays, you can find this in the archive. Hallelujah. And then you can forward that link to your friends. Amen. Do that. Take a chance. Forward that link to somebody and just see what he does with it. Maybe he watches. And that's why I put this short word in the beginning, because maybe this guy just watches two, three minutes, five minutes, and then at least he could get some good news. Amen. Hallelujah. Because maybe he doesn't like the worship. That's why we put this little bit of a word in here. Man, I'm an evangelist. I want to see somebody being caught into the message of grace, into the message of God's unconditional love. I want to just say this as well. God is more interested in who you are and in you seeing His unconditional love for you than what He is to change you. Man, you know, the church has made people tight with this change, 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 change message. That I must be honest, I studied the New Testament and I didn't find one place where, the, where we were commanded to change. I've never seen Paul say to somebody, you better change. Or God says, change here or change there. He doesn't use that word. The only place where the word change is used is where God has changed us through the Holy Spirit. But it's not by our efforts. You cannot change. God is, was so interested in what Jesus had to do for us that He prophesied about that through the Old Testament. Jesus came into human flesh. All those prophecies were fulfilled on, on our behalf. Hallelujah. So that the change that came in Jesus was on our behalf. And that's our change. Amen. So that the, that the, the change, the whole thing to change us is not towards us anymore because we struggle too much. Have you ever tried to change? Man, it's easy to change where you in the area where it's easy for you. But what about the thing that you've been struggling for with, for 10 years and you cannot change? And then you get the, this condemnation, I better change here. And then the message comes that says that's the thing that blocks the blessing of God over your life. Now, I want to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. It is not from God. God loves you. And all the change that you ever wanted to change has already happened in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we don't use our faith to get stuff. We don't use our faith to get God to do something. Our faith is in the fact that the faith of Jesus was big enough to do it for us. Now, say that I was in a motor car accident and both my legs were um, amputated and I just had short legs just up to here and if some man comes in here pastor and he said listen do you believe that that your legs can grow out now if if I pray you know what I would say to be quite honest and quite frank I would say no man <laughs> for sure I don't have that faith but if, if Jesus would walk in and he would say Bertie, do you believe that by my faith, by the faith of Jesus, your legs can grow out? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> and that's true faith. True faith is faith in the faith of Jesus, which is enough to meet your need. I don't have to have this big faith for my financial needs to be met. I believe that the faith of Jesus was big enough when He walked this earth, when He died, when He rose again, to meet all the needs of the whole world. 
including mine. Hallelujah. And that is true faith. Apply that faith in your life, in the area where you need it, and you will experience the power of God. Amen. Dynamic Web Church is designed to get you out of condemnation. It's designed to get you out of that guilt trip and that sin consciousness into a consciousness of Jesus, onto the path of victory, walking in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to go over to worship, and I would like you to open your heart to this worship session. This worship session is loaded with um, powerful pictures, with powerful grace-based music that can really get your heart and your mind renewed. You cannot renew your mind, but as you look at this and listen to the words, you'll find your mind being renewed. You'll find that you start to experience the presence of the Almighty God. Amen. I would just like to read the scripture to you quickly from um, Zephaniah chapter 3. And I do believe that this is going to bless you as we get into this service. And I want to read this because I want you to know what God thinks about you long before the service, long before we've prayed or anything. Amen. The Bible says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. Man, isn't that awesome? God is there with you in front of that computer. He's sitting next to you. He's in you. He indwells you. He's fond of you. He's, he's angel all around you. He loves you. Amen. Okay, He's a mighty one, a Savior who saves. He's not a Savior that just talks about salvation. He really saves and He has saved you from your sin so you don't ever have to be condemned again. Amen. Right. He will rest. Let's look at what God will do in our presence today. What will God do in our presence today? Because He's a mighty one, a Savior who saves in our midst. What's He going to do? He will rest in silent satisfaction and in His love He will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. Let's read it again. He will rest in silent satisfaction and in His love He will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. So in His love today He's going to be quiet about your past sins. He's never going to mention them. And He will never recall them. Hallelujah. And then, above all, He will exalt over you with singing. Man, imagine that. What God's going to do today is He's going to exalt over us with singing, for He is pleased with us. Because of Jesus. Amen. Now, let's go with that mindset into this worship session. I do believe that you're going to just experience such an awesome presence of God and, uh, and such a blessing. Let's just pray. Father, I thank You that as we go into this worship, I thank You that there's worship from the depths of our being. And in this worship, we are mindful of Christ. We're not trying to pull You from heaven or try to manifest Your glory or Your presence. We just want to thank You for Your glory that was manifested, full of grace and truth according to John. Thank You, my God. I love You and I thank for what You're going to do today in this uh, broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. Thank you. In Jesus' name, my Father. Amen. I want to speak a little bit about finances and I want to open Second Corinthians, my favorite scripture when it comes to money, um, because it speaks about the grace of God both ways. It speaks of the grace of God in your life. It speaks of the grace of God towards you that enriches you and the grace of God that will bring uh, an attitude of giving to you as well. Now, let's go to Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, and I, I read this last time, I'd like to read this again because this is really the foundation for giving and the way I believe it's supposed to be. And I've, um, I made a recording that we've uploaded on GodTube about finances and money scandals and preachers and all of that. And in that I said that we will not use tithing, sowing and reaping type of teaching uh, to force people to give because it will rob them from the liberty that they've been given in Jesus Christ to give out of a willing heart. If I force you to give, then you cannot experience the freedom that Christ died for. Christ wants you to give out of a willing heart. The Lord Jesus Christ is a Lord that doesn't lord it over us like the world. He's a Lord that leads us, guides us and serves us. That is what He is. He's a, he's a God that wants you to experience that absolute peace that absolute um, joy when it comes to giving. And this is what happened to the people in Corinthians. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, 
how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded unto the riches of their liberty. In other words, what he said is, that the grace of God made them so free that they could actually give in accordance to the freedom that they perceived in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, for their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Now, this is really, really powerful. Um, what he is actually saying here is that when the grace of God came upon the churches in Macedonia, which were poor churches, they had such an enablement to give that it was actually beyond their normal ability. To the point that Paul said, I'm not even willing to take what you offer me. And then they pleaded with Paul um, and his, the, the company of people that was with him to take the finances from him. And that is exactly what I believe is supposed to happen in the church. We need to have the gift of giving. You must know that giving is called, called a grace. It's a gift. So, like you get the gift of praying in tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of laying on of hands, the gift of faith, we get a gift of giving. And the Holy Spirit came upon the church in Macedonia with this gift. And then Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and said to them, I want you also to function in this gift. So this is a gift that God has given to everybody. Inside your heart there is a passion to give because of the nature of God. And sometimes you fear, sometimes you feel I, I can't give and I don't want to give because I'm afraid I'm not going to have. The only way for you to get rid of that is to study the message of grace intensely when it comes to finances and God's provision for you. One thing that you must know for sure is that you don't need this great faith to try and receive something from God. When Jesus stood up out of the grave, He received all the prosperity that was ever needed for you. That prosperity was received by Him. And when He received it, you have already received it. And I think I said this in the previous broadcast last Sunday, and I want to say it again, is that when Adam received sin, when he sinned and received unrighteousness, with it unrighteousness, he received uh, sickness, he received poverty, he received depression, he received worries, he received all types of stress and everything that comes with unrighteousness. He received it. And when he received it, it manifested in his life and in the lives of everybody that was born out of him. Everybody that he represented. So I want to tell you, the day you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything Jesus has received, you have already received. And it's just a matter of time and will manifest in your life. And if you can just simply believe that, you will see it manifest in your heart. Amen. I do believe that as a man believes in his heart, so is he in this world. If you believe that you are a stressed out type of person, you will act accordingly. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we are who He believes we are. He believes we are the righteousness of God. Therefore, we are the righteousness of God. Because that's what He believes. And my faith is in His faith that says He believes that I'm righteous. Therefore, I experience the righteousness that He... Now, I'm not going to use proper English, but this is what I want to use. He faithed me into. Amen. Now, that is awesome. If you can get that mindset... When it comes to finances, you will find rest in your heart. Hallelujah. Dynamic Love Ministries, Dynamic Web Church will always be prosperous. We will always be able to do that which we want to do in the kingdom of God when it comes to finances. Now, so when I talk about finances, I don't want you to think that I manipulate you into giving. It's not what I do. But I do believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit is upon you already and that there are people that want to give. So I want to, I'm glad to announce that the donate button works after three months of struggling to get it to work. So it works. If you want to make a donation of whatever amount to Dynamic Web Church, you are more than welcome. If you want to do donate to something specific, you can uh, just under name or surname, you can just put in what you want to donate it specifically for and then we will be able to see that on our account and you can just do that. So, if you want to do that, you're more than welcome during the session, after the session. The button is there. If you want to do it tomorrow, do it tomorrow. If you're watching this in the archive, uh, it doesn't matter. If you want to donate, we can use that money 
to preach the gospel all over the world. We can use that money to advertise. We can use that money to buy more computers, preach the gospel in more places. The more finances we receive, the more we can preach the gospel. And that's just the way it is. Hallelujah. So I just want to give you an opportunity to give. If you want to give, you are more than welcome. And if you want to give out of force, we are not willing to receive that finances. If we could even find out that you're giving it under force or you feel obligated to do this, we will give your money back. We want you to experience the freedom of God and give out of that so that when we receive that money, we can know this money is peace money. It is money that comes out of a heart of peace, not a heart of manipulation, not a heart of fearing that God will not provide for you tomorrow. God is not like the mafia. The mafia says, well, if you don't pay your money, I cannot guarantee your safety. Now, the way the mafia works is um, they go to shops. If you want to start a shop in the southern parts of Italy, and, uh, and this is the way I've got I can't be wrong, but this is the way I understand this. They'll come to you and say, do you want us to protect your shop against thieves and robbers and, you know, that it doesn't burn down or something like that? And if you say, no, I don't want to make use of your service in protecting my shop, you know, the next night somebody will break into your shop. And you will rather pay the money and then you be sure that nobody will break into the shop because the chance is very big that they will break into the shop and uh, make sure that you pay them every month. Now, God is not like that. He's not like uh, the mafia saying, if you don't pay your tithe, I cannot guarantee your safety. Even if your safety was paid for by by the blood of Jesus, I, I will just override all of that and just make sure you become poor because you haven't paid your tithe. God is not like that. He's a God that loves you. He's a God that cares for you. And for you, it, it's important for Him for you to be comforted. So many people say that God is more interested in your character than your comfort. No, that's not the truth. Why is the Holy Spirit not called a character builder, but a comforter? He's there to comfort you. Hallelujah. And He's got many ways to comfort you. Even if you are in poverty, He can give you one word. He can bring one um, revelation to your mind without even changing any of your circumstances and you can experience the peace of God. You can experience comfort. Him just embracing you with His love. doesn't matter what happened. Man, hallelujah. You know, I remember a time when we were out in the bush in western Zambia and uh, man, it was just terrible. My wife had a miscarriage. We were out there in extreme poverty. We didn't even have... Uh, I mean, we stayed in the caravan. She was in the hospital. I mean, that hospital was a mess. The rats were running on the, gr- on the floor. Women were giving birth on the floor. It was blood on the floor. It was really an, an, an not nice. And my wife was in that hospital. They couldn't do anything for her. She was bleeding herself to death. To, just to be honest, that's what happened. And in that time, without her becoming better, the Holy Spirit supernaturally comforted me. Hallelujah. And my wife survived. God did a miracle and uh, everything came right. I mean, God is good. But in that situation, without her supernaturally receiving a miracle right there, without people flying in, coming to get her with an aeroplane or something, flying her back to South Africa, with none of that, just supernaturally, God came and comforted me. I just had peace in my heart. I had peace in my mind. So I want to tell you that God is more interested in your comfort than your character. Because all the character building that you needed has already been cared for by Jesus. You are in Him. And if you can get that in your mind, you will start to experience rest. That's what the Bible says in uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you, I will give you rest. That's what God wants to give you. So many people say, now God wants me to work for God. He wants, me. of course, yes, there is a work that we do, but it's called the the labor of love. That's what the Bible talks of. I've heard of your labor of love. That means the work that flows out of a person who's got a deep revelation of God loving him and of God caring for him. Amen. You know, that, you know what's so wonderful? Even if the broadcast of Web Church today, there was things just going wrong. It doesn't matter. I am not what happens to me 
and this ministry is not what happens to it. This ministry and who I am and my wife and the people that are with me in the studio, we are what God says we are. We are uh, uh, what Jesus is today, for we are in Him. We are clothed with Christ. We are in His righteousness. Hallelujah. And that brings such a peace to me. Even if this broadcast wouldn't go out, even if the power would go off in South Africa for two months and we cannot broadcast anything, it would be frustrating to me because I want to preach the gospel. But who I am in Christ, the success of the ministry, uh, who we are is not based on what happens to us. It's based on what happened to Jesus. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that God can bring comfort to you in your finances. He can bring comfort to you even if you're going through a divorce. Even if uh, one of your loved ones has passed away. Anything like that. I want you to know that God's vision for you is to comfort you in that situation and to bring you peace right now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to open the Bible. In 1 John, as we get into the Word today, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 7. Now, this is the foundation of most of the messages I preach. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7, because 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 speaks about the behavior of people when they are in the love of God. And then Romans 5.19 speaks of the influence that Jesus has on our lives because of the cross. Romans 5.19, if you don't know it off by heart by now, says simply that through the disobedience of one, which was Adam, many were made sinners, and so by the obedience of one, which is Jesus, many are made righteous. Hallelujah. I believe that is the foundation of the gospel of Jesus. God became man, did everything that man had to do in order to be blessed, in order to be righteous, in order to be saved. He had all the right faith. He had the right confession. All those things that you have heard that you must do. You must confess right. You must walk right. You must love people. You must do all those things. Jesus did it all on your behalf. So when uh, Jesus did it all, all those good deeds were written next to your name. And once it was written next to your name, you were declared righteous. So that when we believe today, we enter into the righteousness which was bought with such a great price for us. Amen. That is all. That's how simple the gospel is. And let me tell you this. In web church, you're not going to hear anything else. We will take that simple principle and we'll apply it to as many areas of our lives as possible. When we talk about change, and this is the message for last week, this week and the week to come, we talk about change. If we can't apply that principle, the principle of Jesus obeyed on our behalf so that we could be righteous based on what He did for us. If we can't base change on that, we are outside of the cross. We are outside uh, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are wasting our time. The Bible says clearly in Corinthians that the preachers that would come and preach any other gospel or any other message that is besides Jesus Christ, that's not founded in what I call the principle of Romans 5.19, the principle of representation, if it's not in that, it is wasted. The Bible says that that preacher will suffer loss because all his work will be burnt up in the day of the Lord. What that means is when the Lord Jesus appears, he will see that he's actually lied and misled people and it wasn't beneficial to anybody. That's how simple it is. And uh, so many times we thought that that speaks about the judgment of God, God coming down and looking at your works. If your works are not works of gold, silver and precious stones, then God's going to judge you and He's going to destroy you and you're going to be saved, but you're going to smell like smoke. Now that's a false teaching that comes out of a person that has got no understanding of who God is, never experienced the love of God. And he preaches, he can be preaching out of a, 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 um, obedience to Scripture, saying, I must preach the gospel because I must get this message of Jesus trying to get people to obey the law out. Now, that's not the gospel. Now, that person might be born again, he might be saved because he's given his life to Jesus, but everything he preaches is a waste. It's just as simple as that. That's why when I preach, I want to be found faithful to the message of grace. 
faithful to the message. Like Corinthians says so clearly, he says, um, God will confirm you even unto the day of the Lord Jesus, or Jesus will confirm you unto the day of His return. For He is faithful not to look at your sins. Amen. That's what it says. So, faithfulness is connected to staying in the message of grace. And I want to be a faithful preacher. Faithful to the message of grace. And not deviating to the law. Right. Uh, let me read First, uh, uh, first John 4, 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. Now, what this says is, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves, there's two things that happens in his life. He's born of God and he knows God. Now, last Sunday we spoke about knowing God and what stops people to know God. If you are born again today and you know God, then you will find the love of God manifesting in your life. And for you to see the love of God manifesting in your life, in all areas of your life, there's some areas that need a change. Now, listen to what I'm saying and listen between the lines. What I'm saying is, if you can be born of God and know God for who He truly is, then you'll find the change in your life that you need in order to walk what I call uh, the, love, the love walk or the God life in this world. You'll have the God life, God's way of living, God's way of acting, God's way of talking, God's way of meditation, God's way of thinking, God's way of talking to sinners, dealing with people that have sinned, dealing with people that walk in righteousness. You'll just live like God. But there's two things that you need to have. You need to be born of God, and that comes from God's side. And you need to know God. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians, and I, I'm just recapping a little bit on what we said on last Sunday. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. So, what this is saying is that uh, in connection with 1 John chapter 4, you need to know God and you need to be born again in order to change. Let's use that word. For you to change, you need to be born of God and you need to know God. Now, the Bible says that the world through wisdom did not know God. So the thing that keeps many born-again believers away from knowing God is wisdom. Now you might say, Bertie, but must we then be foolish? Well, to a certain degree, yes. The wisdom of this world, and we said it in Colossians chapter 2, let's read that again. Colossians chapter 2, and let's define wisdom. What is the wisdom of this world? The world, through wisdom, were seeking God, and they didn't know God through that wisdom. Now, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 23 says, let's read from verse 20, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the basic principles of this world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances or rules? Now, listen to this. He says, if you have died with Christ, why are you subject to rules? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using, after the commandments and the doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom. You see, what is calling wisdom or a show of wisdom here is touch not, handle not, do not, do's and don'ts, and thou shalt not, thou shalt not. That's what he calls a show of wisdom. It looks wise, but it's foolish. But you who are wise in touch not, do not, handle not, all those type of things, things that you think you don't need to do, or thou shalt and thou shalt, let me tell you, if you are wise in those things, you know all the things that you must do in order to be blessed, for you to be prosperous, for you to be healed, confess right, walk right, talk right, all those things. If you are wise in those things, you need to become a fool according to your own knowledge, saying, well, it's not by touch, not do, not doing all these things. It's simply by, Jesus did all of that on my behalf. I believe it now. It flows over to me. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. Now, I must just say this. 
uh, in this week we made our first broadcast from our new studio for Spirit Word Channel. It was so nice for me to say that I got blessed with a house and I didn't sow for that house. Man, it blessed me to say that. I can truly say, all the glory to Jesus. So many times we say, you know, yeah, well, um, I spoke to people and they say, you know, this person has been blessed with a car, but he's been sowing long enough for that now. No, where's the cross? The Bible says, where is boasting? We boast in the Lord. Now, all of a sudden, we are boasting in how somebody has been sowing money. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to give. If the grace of giving comes upon you like prophecy, or like anything like that, when you see you want to give a word of prophecy to somebody, all of a sudden, you just in your mind feel, man, I've got this word of knowledge or this word of wisdom for this person, then go and give it. In the same way with giving, if you feel the gift of giving upon you, you feel that that compassion, that love, that I want to do this financially, then do it. Don't be afraid. Go and do it. The Spirit of God's upon you. I'm not against giving. But what I'm against is this. Man, why do we want to take the glory for ourselves? Why do we want to say, by my works, by my sowing, by my confession, by me watering this seed, God's prospering me today? Man, that is just a lot of nonsense. It is just foolishness. If you are in the message of grace, you will know that that is foolishness. And we're going to talk about that today in Luke chapter 8, talking about the sow and the seed. That is simply foolishness. You cannot prosper by trying to do those type of things. It can never measure up to the prosperity that will be in you, the peace that will be in you, that comes through the message of grace when it comes to your finances and whatever you do for God. I like to say this. I've been blessed. I've seen the fruit of the me- this message of grace. I've seen the fruit of this message of grace manifesting in my life today. Here I sit in my new studio. Thank God for that. I've got a new house that I live in. Thank God for that. Now I don't pay a cent. I, I received all of this as a blessing from Jesus. You know why God gave this to me? Because He simply loves me. Amen. That's the only reason. And the same for you. You know why you, you have what you have, all the blessings that you've got? Just because God loves you. Do you know why you can prosper and be blessed in more things? Just because He loves you. That's the only reason. Because that's who He is. And that's the type of things He does. He blesses you. Amen. Now Colossians says that the wisdom of this world is touch not, do not, rules and regulations. Now, let's get back to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 says you need to be born of God and you need to know God in order to change or to have the life of God in your life, to love your neighbor. Now maybe you're not loving your neighbor the way you want to and you want to change. This is the key. You need to be born again and you need to know God. What keeps you away from knowing God, if you are born again, is rules and regulations. Teachings like, I've just mentioned the tithing. Teachings like, uh, if you don't pass the test, then you're going to go around the mountain again and you're going to write the test again before you're going to be promoted to a higher level. Teachings like submitting to your leader and if you don't submit to your leader, then God cannot bless you. That's a lot of nonsense. Teachings like, um, you know, the anointing of the leader is going to come upon me. That's nonsense. There's only one anointing. And that's the one that comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen. The gift that God has given me. I don't want the old used and abused gift from somebody else. I don't want his anymore. And you're not going to get anointing from me. I'm not giving my anointing away. It's mine. And I'll keep it until the day the Lord Jesus returns. Amen. I'm not giving away my anointing. So I'm not laying my hand upon you and you getting my anointing. I'm keeping my anointing. Get your own anointing. Bless God. The way you get your own anointing is by taking the Word of God, believing you became the righteousness of God. And the Bible says that if we are baptized, and I don't believe it only speaks about water baptism, if we are baptized, if we died with Christ, if you can identify with Him there, and you can say, I have been resurrected, I stood up out of the grave with Him, I am righteous, holy, blessed forevermore, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen. You receive power to be His witness. That's what you have. Teachings like all that type of Elijah, Elisha, those things, that's what, keeps, that's what keeps you away from knowing God. That's why you struggle to change. The very thing you study, if you are in the Lord, the thing you study, the thing you study in the Word of God, thinking that's the key to breakthrough. Man, that's the thing that keeps you away. Now, I know it can be shocking, but bless God, this is God's honest truth. 
That's what keeps you away. The world through wisdom did not know God. Man, you know how serious Paul was about this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? When the Bible talks about um, if you harm the body, then God will also like harm you. Let me read that. Let me get that scripture. I want, I want to read that to you in, in, in 1 Corinthians. He was not talking about you smoking or drinking. He was not talking about that. Let's read verse... Uh, let's read from verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that was laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what he says is, listen, if you build, make sure you build on the foundation Jesus. So if you want to, Paul laid the foundation Jesus Christ. Jesus did everything for me because of what He's done. I am righteous because of what He's done. I'm healed because of what He's done. I'm prosperous. If I now want to come and I want to build on top of that, I want to build this house of God. I come with my doctrine, my teaching. I must make sure it's founded in the root Christ. So, if I want to talk about marriage, I can't come with do's and don'ts now. I must come with grace. If I want to talk about money, I can't come with tithing, sowing, reaping, that type of thing. That's not on the cross. It's not the cross message. It's not the grace message. not the resurrection message. I can't come with that. That will kill me. Now, Paul said, let everybody that builds, take heed how he builds. With what type of thing does he build? Does he build with gold, silver, and precious stones? Now, let me use a little bit of typology here. Gold speaks of divinity. Silver speaks of redemption. And precious stones speaks of the church. If you don't have a doctrine that speaks of the divine redemption of the church, divine redemption, not human redemption by your do's and don'ts, but by God's uh, um, effort and by what He's done. You don't have a gospel that says, divinely, by God, He has redeemed the church. If that is not your message, I tell you, it is hay, wooden stubble. Hay speaks of a measuring reed. You must always measure up. Wood is the same Greek word as, um, that is found where Paul's feet was put in the stocks in jail. It's a doctrine of bondage, man. And stubble is, is a feeding enclosure. In Afrikaans, a voorkral. You know, you can only find food here. If you don't find food at my church, there's no other way than you, you're not submitted to me and then God's never going to bless you and all that type of teaching. That type of teaching is going to burn away at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says clearly here. Listen to this. Every man's work, and he's not talking about the believer. He's talking about the preacher. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, we know that the fire is not just the judgment of God, but it's the goodness of God. That work will have to measure up to the goodness of God. If you weren't preaching a message of goodness, if you weren't preaching a message of righteousness, it will not stand in the goodness of God. You will say, no God, you would, I, I thought that you were a God of judgment, I thought that you were a God of punishment and all those type of things. And God's not like that. Okay, so that's why the Bible says His fire and His glory will burn it away. Amen. Now remember, the fire of God is the glory of God. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. So the grace and truth of God will test as if that work was right. If it's not grace and if it's not truth, truth, no consciousness of sin but a consciousness of righteousness, it will burn away before that because that's the only thing that will stand forever. Grace and truth. Amen. Verse 15. If any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss. I mean, he's wasted 50 years of ministry. And he's wasted the money of many believers. Okay? He's, he's work, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved as by the grace of God. Or the fire of God. Know you not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defiles the temple of God... No, it's talking about preachers using doc wrong doctrine, defiling you. That's what he's talking about. He says, God will also 
um, let's read it here. Know not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you, verse 17. If any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. So what he was talking about is this doctrine of do's and don'ts defiling the church. That's what he's talking about. If any preacher comes and he preaches do's and don'ts and laws and regulations and all those types of things, and that's what he stands for, his work will be destroyed by God. (laughs) Hallelujah! I thank God for that. And you know, I want to say this. If I've got any law in me that I preach, I thank God that He will destroy it. Because if that must stand, heaven will be a mess. And when the Lord Jesus returns to this earth and He rules and reigns with us here in the... or we rule and reign with Him in this earth, you know what? If there's a law, it will not be able to be unshakable. And it will fall again. But it's not going to fall. Thank you, Jesus, because no do's and don'ts, human wisdom is going to enter this world. This is what he says. Listen to me. This is what he says. Don't you know you are the temple of God? And the preacher that comes, the man that comes, or let let me not use the word preacher, the doctrine that comes, that defiles you, is what doctrine? It's the doctrine of the one that thinks that he is wise in this world. Let him become a fool that he might be wise. Let him say, this whole thing about the law is foolish. I cannot be saved this way. So that he can get into the doctrine of grace and become wise. Because that's the wisdom of God. Amen. Isn't that just so, so wonderful? Amen. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Man, I just got a, a, a wonderful revelation here in Luke 8. Verse 5. It speaks about the sower. It says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and was trodden down, and the fowls of the, earth, of the air devoured it. Now, wayside is the same as the road. Okay? Some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. Now, that rock is a stony ground. Okay, and some fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he said, um, He that has ears let to hear, let him hear. And then Jesus went and he explained the parable of the sower. Now, the first one about the road, Jesus, I'm not going to read all of that. He said, The seed that fell on the road is those that hear the word and don't understand it. That seed has got no chance to bear fruit in that person's life. Now, I want to change this around because we want to know God. And those of us that know God, because we already have understood the message of grace, we want to continue in our knowledge of God and and in our experience of God's unconditional love. How will we continue? We must make sure that the word that the enemy brings, that it falls on the road in our life. Now, I hope you can understand this. When any word comes to you, there are certain areas in your life that you have. You've got a place where you don't understand it at all. There's a place where you can receive it with gladness, but your heart is hardened against it. There's a place where it will fall amongst the weeds. A place where it will be choked and will not have fruit, lasting fruit in your life. And there's a place where it can really bear fruit in your life. Now, the, this was always preached, preached, and this is the way it is, in the context of it, that when the gospel comes to you, those who don't understand the message of grace will never bear any fruit. Then those who've got a little bit of place for the message of grace, a little bit of ground, but a rock in their hearts, the rocks speak about the law, because the doctrine of the law was written engraved on stones. You've got a stony heart, a law heart, but you've got a little bit of place for the word of grace. You'll find it comes up, you're very happy, but just for a while, because the word of grace cannot find a root in your life. Then you get the place where there's other weeds. It's, it's just sown amongst all the other doctrines, and I've seen it so many times. People say the message of grace is a doctrine. Uh, uh, the message of 
submission is another doctrine, the message of this is another doctrine, the message of that, and they've got many doctrines of which grace is one doctrine, and then it will also be choked, it will not bear fruit. And then you get the good ground where you open the depths of your being and you allow that word of grace to come into the depths of your being. Then you'll find the fruit of that word in your life. But I call that the... the, the um, if you want to talk about principles and stuff, that's the, the, the seed principle. If you hear a word, that's how it's going to work. Now the word of law must have... We must always make sure that we, make, we see that we don't even understand the word of the law. We must be so deep in the message of grace. We must only have place for grace. That if somebody preaches the law, that you, you simply don't understand it. I must be honest. And I know I'm hammering on this. And I want to hammer on this. Because people have hammered on this for many years. If you are listening to a word when it comes to finances, sowing and reaping. What, what must happen? You must be so deep in the message of grace that you say it doesn't make sense to me. How can I give money to this one? Then I'm going to get money over there. doesn't make sense. What about the cross? You must not be able to understand it. When you hear the law, you must just say, I don't understand. I don't know how it works. So let's all just leave it. And then your heart must be, there must be a law in your heart. The law of grace. It must, not so, must be so deep in your heart and you must be so hard in the message of grace that the message of the law will not be able to find a root in your belief system. Then it will, you, you might hear a good word. Now this is, I mean, now going down in the scale of where you're supposed to be. The best place is to have your whole life just one road for the law. That doesn't matter who sows whatever law in your life, it will never spring up, it will never bear any fruit. And if there's a place, it must be a stony place. Or it must be a place where there's so much other ways of thinking of grace that that word of the law will never be able to bear fruit in your life. And the place of good fruit must only be for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of His unconditional love for you. Man, that's what we are supposed to have. That's what God has given unto us freely. Let's open our hearts for this. Let's open our hearts to see that we are the blessed of God. We are the touched of God. Now, the word change, uh, like I said uh, in, the, in the beginning of uh, the service, nowhere in the New Testament does it state anywhere that we must change. Paul never preached a gospel that says you must change. Nowhere. Change is a fruit of knowing God. It's not something we must do. It's not part of our job description that we must change. It was part of the job description of Jesus to change all of man. And Jesus did it. And all you need to do is believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. You must believe that Jesus had the willpower. He had the faith. He had the scripture in Him in order to change. And I am in Him. And then you'll find that change in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the word change in the Hebrew language is the word kalifo. Now, kalifo consists out of, I wrote it down here, one, two, three, four, five Hebrew characters. The first one is cheth, then kuf, yud, pe, and hay. Five Hebrew characters, cheth, kuf, yud, pe, and hay. Now, if we interpret this into the New Testament, uh, it is such a wonderful revelation. Cheth speaks of offense. Kuf speaks of, it's a picture of a priest cap. Then Yud is the picture of a man's hand. Pe is the picture of a mouth. And then He is the picture of a window which speaks of grace. So, change, if you want to interpret that into the New Testament to see how do you get right to change, it means to be infenced from the teaching of works by the preaching of grace. Man, isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. If you want to change, you need to be infenced from the teaching, infenced, that fence, the teaching, um, the priest cap, which was worn by the priest when they taught the word, by the teaching of, and then yud is, is a, a hand, works, to be infenced from the teaching of works, pe is the picture of a mouth, by the word, or the preaching of hey, speaks of grace, by the teaching of of grace or the preaching of grace. So that's the only way you're going to change. That's the only way that you're going to find the true change in your life that you need and that you want. 
And that is to be in fence, to be protected from the teaching of the law, the teaching of the wisdom of this world, which keeps people away from knowing God for who He truly is. Hallelujah. Man, isn't that so, so awesome? I believe that we can really walk in such a place. We can really walk in a place where we say, My God, You're a God that is good to me. You're a God that loves me. You're a God that cares for me. And when you know that, you will know the message of the cross. That's what he says in 1 John 4, 7. He says, Herein was manifested the love of God towards us. Now, if you are born of God and you know God, it's equal to experiencing the love of God. Experiencing the love of God is knowing what it is to live through Jesus and not through your works. Hallelujah. Amen. That's experiencing the love of God. When you experience that unconditional love of God, you will find that joy just flooding your whole system. Amen. I want to read one more scripture and then we're going to just um, take communion. Remember, every first Sunday in the month, we uh, take communion and I believe that that is so important because it just gets us to meditate upon the body and the blood of Jesus instead of our works. Hallelujah. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 3. The word change. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with an open face... Now, what does an open face speak about? <clears throat> it speaks about a face that doesn't have the veil of the law. Okay? Chapter 14 says, uh, let's read from verse 13. It says, or verse, yeah, verse, chapter 3, verse 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfast look at the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament or worldly wisdom or do's and don'ts or touch not, handle not or whatever. If you read that, if you see that in the Scriptures, you are veiled. Okay? Your mind is veiled. Which veil is done away in Christ. If you are willing to see what Jesus done for you, that veil will be taken away and you will see who God is. You will, you will know God. You will experience His love. That which you desire all your life, you will experience. Amen. But even unto this day, when Moses read, the veil is upon their hearts. Now verse 18. But we all, with an open face, with an unlaw mindset, are looking as in a glass or a mirror at the glory of the Lord. Now, I've said it so many times. When you look into the glory of God, you look as into a mirror and guess who you see in a mirror? You see yourself. Amen. Right, you're looking, you're seeing yourself. It says, and as we are looking to this, we are changed into the same image. It doesn't say, when you see this glory, when you see the holiness of God, when you see the power of God, how Jesus healed the sick, change your life and become like Jesus. That's not what it says. The Bible doesn't say we must change our lives and become like Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus changed His life. He came to this earth and then He changed our lives and through Him we became like Jesus. Your job is not to try and be like Jesus. Man, I know if you've got a religious mindset, this will just knock you off your sofa. But this is the truth. Jesus, the gospel is not to try and be like Jesus. It's not what we must do. The only way we can become like Jesus is by Jesus and what He has done. This is what it says. It says, when we look into this glory, we are changed into the same image from one degree of glory or from the law glory into the great glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You are not changed by, you, I'm changing myself to be like Jesus. The way we experience change in this world and this is what I'm ending off with, is by looking at the glory of God. What is the glory of God? John chapter 1 verse 17, and we beheld, and verse 14, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So as you behold the grace of God, what is the grace of God? The grace of God is the message of the cross, what Jesus did for us. And we look at that message without a consciousness of sin. Remember the definition for 
truth is no consciousness of sin. The Bible says the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Then the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that the worshippers once purged shall have no more consciousness of sin. Why? Because they're walking in the truth. What is the truth? Jesus is the truth. So when you're walking in truth, you're walking in a consciousness washed from your sins, conscious of Jesus. That's truth. Truth is having no consciousness of sin. So when they looked at the glory of God, they saw a place where you can live not conscious of your sins. Seeing the grace of God. That's the glory of God. When you look into that, you are changed into the image of God by the Holy Spirit. 